It's 5 p.m. and welcome to the WTJX News Feed. In today's top stories, students call out school officials amidst hot classrooms and poor school conditions. We talk with AFT Union President Mrs. Rosa Soto-Thomas, who calls out the Board of Education Chairman Mr. Kaiser Callwood and Senator Maurice James. We get their response to the Union President. We talk with Senator Kenneth Gittins on new legislation he wants to propose. And later, we talk with the Commissioner for the Department of Health, who provides an update on COVID in the territory. These are some of your headlines and more for today's WTJX News Feed. From the Virgin Islands Public Broadcasting System Studios on St. Thomas, this is the WTJX News Feed with Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Welcome to the WTJX News Feed, bringing you the latest news and updates throughout our community. We turn our attention to the powerful protests led by students who have taken to the streets to raise their voices against challenging conditions within their schools. We keep hearing about the same, they have money, they have plans, and we still ain't have nothing. Dozens of students from the St. Croix Educational Complex and the St. Croix Central High School gathered outside of schools, braving sweltering temperatures and holding signs, some that read, Welcome to the Revolution, and Too Hot to Learn. Students are demanding immediate action to address the deplorable conditions and excessive heat they face daily. My senior of the elite class of 2024, my goals in this protest is to get a change for the future generations to come. Once again, I'm a senior, I do not need this. I'm about to leave the school, but I'm doing this for the future generations, my little cousins, every, everybody else that's coming to the school. They deserve better. They do not deserve to learn in these kind of conditions. The heart of their protest centers on cramped classrooms, broken air conditioning units, and crumbling infrastructure that have left students struggling to focus and learn. School is supposed to be your second home. School is supposed to be your safe space. We don't have any internet. The internet is always going in and out. You cannot do anything. You cannot do any research in school with the internet always down. Secondly, there is mold in a bunch of the classrooms. There's mold in the library. How are you supposed to do research in a library, in dictionaries, and encyclopedias when there is mold? You cannot breathe. You cannot, you cannot function well. In classrooms, you cannot function well. You have 25 students in one class to one teacher. How are they supposed to function with one student fan working and two fans on the side? It's impossible. So this is, this is why we're standing up, because we cannot learn in these type of conditions. These young activists were not only highlighting their plight, but also advocating for change within the education system. They're demanding accountability from school authorities and policymakers. Their protest follows in the steps of teachers where just last week frustrations reached a boiling point amid the ongoing issues in the schools and classrooms, prompting a bold demonstration of unity. We spoke with the American Federation of Teachers local AFT 1826 president, Mrs. Rose. Soto Thomas. Well, I hope that the Department of Education um, generates a timeline as to when they're going to fix all the um, the classrooms and then you know correct the concerns that the union has because um, this has been happening and ongoing for quite some time. Speaking on the conditions of the school, President Soto Thomas called out the Board of Education Chairman Kaiser Callwood and Senator Maurice James, who she says were a part of the walkthroughs prior to school being opened. I need to call Kaiser, Kaiser Callwood, the Board of Education, that he don't say nothing. And he has a big to do. He has a big role in all of this, the Board of Education. Nobody ain't saying nothing. You hear them come out? 
in the feed and then I was saying, where's the Board of Education? Where's the Board of Education? And the department getting hit, union getting hit, members getting hit, and the freaking board silent. Really? And nobody in calling them. No one. And Maurice James was a part of the walkthrough team. So what does she have to say? We asked Senator Maurice James to respond to the union president's comments, and here's what she had to say. Do I, as a senator, have the authority to close the schools down if I saw that the schools were not ready? I mean, she's making an allegation there that, and she's somehow insinuating or implying that Senator Maurice James had the authority to close the school down. Speaking on the conditions of the schools, Senator Maurice James went on to say, What we're seeing today in 2023 is an accumulation of deterioration year after year after year. So it's not surprising. Teachers have been sending me videos since I became the, the chairperson of the committee of water running down walls of of just really, really bad situations, conditions. But the decision to close schools is, does not belong to the legislature. So it's unfair for her to ask what Senator Maurice James is doing about it. Senator James went on to express her support to the students. The students don't check their constitutional rights when they enter the schoolhouse doors. They have the, the constitutional right to, to protest. They have the right to free speech. They know, they live this experience. We reached out to Board of Education Chairman Kaisa Callwood to give a response to Mrs. Soto Thomas. In terms of the Board of Education and its role, um, yes, the Board of Education did conduct um, school visits, but I don't think the public is really aware of Act Number 8717 that um, took the authority of the board actually um, making schools um, to actually have schools as show that schools are conducive rather to make it open and ready the board doesn't have that authority anymore since act 8717 has came and come into place however the board does have the opportunity and has shared with the department the unions and the community its reports the school management accountability report and the recent walkthroughs that we have had before school open we have shared that many of the concerns the concerns of the board come out year after year no one responds you know no one actually said well let's have a meeting with the board so they could really look into these things that are not conducive to learning these things that have been happening in the school system have been happening for quite some time chairman Callwood urged for unity when it came to addressing the matters facing the schools the unions have a responsibility parents students teachers have a responsibility the department has a responsibility and the board has a responsibility but all of them have to come together as one in unison to fix some of the things that's happening in our school system. Act 8717 amends the Virgin Islands Code, Title III, Chapter 7, and establishes the Bureau of School Construction and Maintenance within the Virgin Islands Department of Education. They hold the responsibility to construct and maintain public schools and other educational facilities. The Department of Education addressed the growing concerns over the state of school facilities during a recent virtual panel discussion and aimed to respond to pre-submitted questions from concerned citizens regarding the conditions of schools. The live-streamed event hosted by Communications Director Shayla Solomon 
featured key officials including the commissioner, Dr. Dion Wells Hendrington, and St. Croix Insular Superintendent, Irisilda Herman. Dr. Wells Hendrington began by acknowledging recent job actions by St. Croix educators and student protests. She expressed understanding of the frustrations, but emphasized that these actions violated collective bargaining agreements. As a former teacher, I'm quite familiar with so, strikes. So you protested yourself? Of course I did. I protested for better wages, um, better conditions in my school. We actually stayed out for two weeks. And it really hit me um, when I received my paycheck and it was zero dollars. Um, because we know that striking is a violation of the collective bargaining agreement. And so when you decide as a teacher, which everybody has the right to do, to protest for what you believe in, then you know that there are stipulations um, in the end. So protests are not new to me. I respect every teacher that thought that they needed to do that. Uh, we do have challenges. I'm not running away from the fact that we do, um, but we're working to fix those challenges. And so for me, I, I appreciated the fact that they were standing up for what they thought was right. Um, I also appreciated the students. While the department shared plans for future projects, responding to public comments, the commissioner outlined a timeline for addressing immediate concerns. Explain again exigency and what that would allow for before we, we wrap up this segment. So it allows us to uh, reduce the amount of time mm -hmm. that it would take for the procurement process. Uh, generally, um, RFPs are, are created, bids are are, are requested for 30 days, then we have bid reviews, then we have um, reviews of the bids, then we go through contracting, which is several layers of processes. With exigency, we get to narrow that down tremendously. That would allow us to execute a contract maybe in a month versus three to six months. Interested parties can listen to the full two-and-a-half-hour meeting by visiting the Department of Education's Facebook or YouTube page. As we update the news feed, we move now to the world of legislative proposals. Senator Kenneth Gittins has announced his intentions to propose legislation aimed at redefining the Historic Preservation Commission's scope and limiting its authority. The commission is charged with preserving and conserving distinct architectural cultural resources and uses preservation laws to achieve this mandate. Senator Gittins, who believes that the HPC is impeding economic progress in the downtown areas, spoke about his plans with the forthcoming legislation. Myself and I have been working on legislation which is currently uh, being finalized that will grant greater flexibility to those working to renovate or rebuild properties in our historic districts of Christiansted, Frederickstead, Charlotte Amalia, and Cruz Bay. Uh, we would like to maintain the charm and character of our historic districts, but not every property can be 100% restored. Some properties that are protected by these preservation laws hold no historic significance and are adding to economic stagnation. Uh, many in our community agree that once a historic uh, facade on a building is maintained, these buildings can be rebuilt without complying with all the current restrictions in place. 
my team and I have been in regular communication with many stakeholders to include property owners, realtors, residents, law enforcement, and others uh, on, on this same particular matter. Senator Gittins has criticized them for their decision to remove the I Love STT sign from Vendors Plaza in the historic Charlotte Amali. The sign became a point of contention after it was unveiled August 14th by the Department of Property and Procurement, even though it had not been approved by the commission before being erected. The government sought retroactive approval, but was ultimately denied by the commission. We spoke with the chairman of the Territorial Commission, Mr. Kurt Marsh Jr., to get his thoughts on the controversy that has surrounded the sign. Unfortunately, most people don't understand additionally that um, the Historic Preservation Commission has a federal mandate that supersedes the local mandate. And so while sometimes people might want to think that we're a group of local history buffs, so to speak, um, just trying to keep things the way we like them. That's widely inappropriate and inaccurate. Um, there are federal rules and guides, as well as local ones, that we are uh, we're mandated to, to uphold when regulating national federal historic registry sites, as well as territorial registry sites and historic districts. I think it needs to be, it always needs to be made clear that these aren't arbitrary rules that we are making up and following. Uh, while I do appreciate Senator Gittin's recent efforts, especially um, when he stood with the opposition to the land swap of Whistling Key for the parcel in Kattenberg for the new school on St. John, I think statements like the one he's making about the HPC and its regulatory mandate um, are pretty arbitrary and unfounded. I think People need to understand that some of the very basic functions of the Historic Preservation Commission. We do not at all control how buildings develop and what their internal functions are. It is our mandate to regulate the facades and exterior experiences of the historic district context. We asked Mr. Marsh if the proper steps had been taken whether or not the sign would have been approved. No. Um, and the reason it wouldn't have been approved, and it's not that it wouldn't have been approved for aesthetics, there are also regulations around the size of signs. And so that sign doesn't, it's not the name of a building or historic space or, or the name of a business. And so it would have had to gone through those types of uh, regulatory channels and so we might have ended up in a position where maybe they were building a sign for Vendor's Plaza instead of just a sign, uh, a touristy gimmicky sign, which unfortunately, and this is a part of the frustration with that situation too, we, anytime there has been an opportunity for the HPC to work with an applicant, especially the government, a government agency, the projects have always resulted, uh, they've always come out better. The proposed legislation has ruffled feathers with some members of the board who are offended by the charges that they are against progress in the historic districts and are simply following federal mandates. St. Thomas member and commissioner on the Historic Preservation Commission, Mr. Enrique Rodriguez, expressed his frustration with some of Senator Gittin's comments. Uh, Gittin says that we are obstructionist entity, and we're not. We, we, we continually collaborate with developers, 
other government officials and stakeholders to basically um, develop the um, and protect downtown. Despite previous missteps, Mr. Marsh expressed the committee's willingness to work together in an efficient manner for future projects. We have a great interest in preserving the understanding of preserving and helping to preserve these things because we understand the value that they give to this place. And we understand that placemaking takes those values into consideration. And we have been wanting to, ever since I've been on the commission, um, we've been wanting to sit with and help plan out projects in the historic districts to, to really start to do what the administration is claiming is trying to do in the way of beautifying and, and, and economic incentive and things like that. But that has to work with the rules and regulations as they are. And if we're going to change the rules and regulations, then it would make the most utmost sense that the, the committee members are involved in that process. We asked Senator Gittins if he had intentions of reaching out to the commission to work with them and come up with legislation that would be something everyone could be happy with. Absolutely. Again, the intent, the intent is, is to have the commission uh, directly and properly identify structures within the downtown areas that should be historically preserved. Stay tuned for updates on this developing story. As we move down the WTJX news feed, we spoke with the commissioner of the Department of Health, Justa Encarnacion, to discuss the current state of COVID-19 in the territory and the status of new vaccines. Well, first of all, thank you for asking for some clarifications or just some information so we can share with the public. Today, we have 15, our new cases today is 17. So right now we have 15 active cases. So we have been seeing a, a slight change on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, we test mainly from Monday through Thursday. We've been seeing little increments. The most important thing that I think the community should be aware of is that we have not been seeing hospitalizations. So we know that we're going to see positives. We track hospitalization daily, and we make our, we make changes based on hospitalizations and the, the level of acuity and the level of um, morbidity, which we haven't seen. In reference to the vaccines, we have 100 doses in the territory, 50 Pfizer, 50 Moderna. Those vaccines actually were purchased through one of our federal grants for immunization. And as a result of that, since the vaccines are not commercialized, as a result of that being purchased through our grant, unfortunately, we cannot sell the vaccines. And that meaning that they cannot be used for those that are insured requesting reimbursement. That would be um, away from federal guidelines. So our immunization department and our community health divisions, both St. Croix and St. Thomas, as well as MCH, are reaching out to the manufacturers themselves. Um, Cardinal Health is our, uh, is, our, is our connection right now to the manufacturers. So we're doing that right now, and we're going to try to get those vaccines available to those that, with insurance within the next two to three weeks. During the interview, Commissioner Incarnacion shared the department's new digital series called Step Into Wellness, hosted by the commissioner herself, and where the inspiration came from. The inspiration is really because we want to make sure that our community members take a little bit more responsibilities for their health. And so stepping into wellness is a, a form of letting them know that 
they have control over their health as we have guidance to provide to them. So each week you'll be hearing from members of the community. For example, the first one would be Dr. Um, Dr. Graham, who works um, with us in terms of urology and speaking more so about prostate cancer, one of the leading causes of cancer in the territory for men. So he will be there along with um, uh, Dr. Fredericks and, and uh, Dr. Balman to speak to what our what we are doing, which we're doing a lot. So I'm going to save some of that for for our um, for our media. But um, we're doing so much in terms of cancer and re- rejuvenizing what we do for cancer now in the territory. So I'm looking forward to that, and we're going to talk a lot about prevention as well because we exercise and eating. So really and truly, it goes back to the governor's Healthy Horizon I- initiative and how we can how we prevent illness within the territory. As we make our way down the WTJX newsfeed, it's time now for the regional report. In a significant move, the Biden administration has pledged $100 million to support a Kenyan-led multinational force aimed at restoring security to a conflict-torn Haiti. Secretary of State Antony Blinken made this announcement emphasizing the need for international assistance to address Haiti's deteriorating security situation. Security assistance from international partners can play a critical bridging role. That's why the United States supports the UN-backed multinational security support mission. The government of Haiti, Haitian civil society, the UN Secretary General, the Organization of American States, CARICOM, and other international partners have each called for such a mission. The mission, which is still pending approval by the UN Security Council, will involve a plethora of support. We welcome and appreciate the Kenyan government's willingness to serve as the lead nation of this mission. Uh, Kenya recently concluded an assessment visit, uh, which we look forward to hearing about today. We support Kenya's vision for a three-part security mission, providing operational support to the Haitian National Police to combat the gangs, ensuring static security of key installations and thoroughfares, and strengthening the Haitian National Police for the long term. Jamaica, the Bahamas, and Antigua and Barbuda have also committed personnel to the operation. Haitian Prime Minister Ariel Henry has echoed the urgency for police and military personnel, highlighting the grave challenges the country faces due to rampant gang violence, kidnappings, and other crimes. Secretary of State Blinken stressed the importance of swift authorization by the Security Council. As President Biden told the General Assembly this week, the people of Haiti cannot wait much longer. The United States is working with Ecuador to put forward a text. As we do, we remain mindful of the lessons uh, learned from previous missions in Haiti, including the need to safeguard human rights and to promote accountability. With our support, this mission can deploy within months, and we really have no time to lose. We can and we must do what's necessary to make that happen. The safety, the security, the future of the Haitian people and people across the region depend on the urgency of our action. He moved on to emphasize that international aid must go hand in hand with addressing Haiti's political crisis and achieving lasting progress. We also recognize that improved security must be accompanied by real progress to resolve the political crisis. The support mission will not be a substitute for political progress. Uh, Indeed, it can help create space for Haiti to move forward. Gang violence has surged in Haiti, with gangs controlling significant portions of the capital, Port-au-Prince. We're turning now to the territory's weather forecast. 
The National Weather Service predicts that on Friday, St. Croix residents can anticipate scattered showers, mainly before noon, mostly sunny with a high near 86, chances of precipitation at 30%, and in the evening, isolated showers, partly cloudy with a low around 82, north-northeast winds at 8 miles per hour, and chances of precipitation at 20%. St. Thomas residents can anticipate scattered showers, partly sunny with a high near 91, heat index values as high as 105, chances of precipitation at 40%, and in the evening, scattered showers, mainly after midnight, partly cloudy with a low around 83, northeast winds around 8 to 11 miles per hour, and chances of precipitation at 30%. St. John residents can expect isolated showers, mainly before noon, mostly sunny with a high near 87, northeast winds between 6 to 8 miles per hour, chances of precipitation at 40%, and in the evening, isolated showers, partly cloudy with a low around 84, north winds around 10 miles per hour, becoming east after midnight, chances of precipitation at 10%. We are at the end of today's WTJX News Feed. I'm Marcelina Ventura Douglas. Join me every weekday at 5 p.m. Be sure to download the WTJX app. And if you missed a part of our news, listen back to it on demand wherever you listen to podcasts.